Hello and welcome to the Sisters Sunday School class at Anchor Bible Church in Hull, Georgia. My name is Sharon Black. I'm the pastor's wife here. I'm not the normal teacher of this Sunday School class, although I'm a member of it. But we are currently doing a study um, called Christianity versus World Religions. We're primarily looking at the six major worldviews in our world today. And then as we progress through the study, we'll be looking at how the various world religions fit under the umbrella of some of these larger worldviews. So first of all, we talked about Christianity. We looked at what we believe and what are the most essential doctrines to actually be a Christian. We looked at um, how we believe that God created everything, that he revealed himself to us through nature and through his word, the Bible, that man is fallen, we're sinful, that Jesus redeemed us so that we could have a right relationship with God, that we have value, we can know truth, we can know right and wrong. There is a heaven or a hell after we die, we can know where we are going when we die. Then we looked at Islam. Islam believes in one God, a God named Allah. They believe that Allah created everything, that Allah revealed himself through the angel Gabriel to Muhammad in the Quran, that man isn't fallen, but must do certain things to be Muslim. They believe there is an afterlife, but that good deeds must outweigh bad deeds. And this particular worldview of Islam, although it is... Um, growing and already affects to 1.6 uh, billion people on planet Earth. Christianity is about 2 billion people. Um, there is no relationship with Allah. Islam does not promote any kind of a relationship with God. And again, they don't believe that man is fallen or sinful or that man needs to be saved from his sin. So it's a very interesting difference. Um, those who believe that everybody worships the same God and he just has different names, that is not biblical. That is not truth. So please understand that the God of Islam is not the God of the Bible and he is not the same as revealed in their holy books. He is not the same as the God of the Bible. Um, the next worldview we looked at, which was last session, was secularism or secular humanism, as you might know it. In a secularist beliefs, there is no God that mankind evolved. We're just higher forms of animals that this material world is all there is that truth is found only through science, that we do not have a free will, that we simply live by our biological instincts. Therefore, there is no morality. There is nothing that's right or wrong if we're animals and there is nothing after this life. We're just living by our instincts. Then there is no right and wrong. They believe this life is all there is. There, there is no spirit realm or afterlife of any kind. So, so far, we've looked at two theistic worldviews, two different worldviews that believe in one God. That would be Christianity, 2 billion people, Islam, 1.6 billion people. There are three major worldviews that are atheistic in nature. The adamant belief that there is no God. So that would be secularism, which we looked at last session, and then Marxism, which we'll be looking at today, which affects 2 billion people also. Now, at the risk of misspeaking, I would not say that there are two billion Marxists necessarily. I have no idea how many people actually believe 
Marxism, uh, but there are 2 billion people in the world affected by Marxism. About 20% of the world's population lives in a communist or socialist country that is um, totalitarian in some way or communistic in some way. So it affects about 2 billion people. Then there's postmodernism, which is also atheistic. We'll be looking at that next session. And then the last worldview we will look at is polytheistic. In other words, multiple gods. And that is referred to as new spirituality. Those of you who might be a little bit older might remember it called the New Age Movement. So we'll look at that one last before we look at um, specific world religions and how they fit under one of these umbrellas. And then uh, we'll wrap up the study looking at denominations within Christianity and what makes them different from one another. So let's keep in mind a scripture verse that's very important to remember when we talk about an atheistic worldview. Psalm 14, 1a, which means the first half of the verse, says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. God says, a person who believes there is no God is a fool. Now, in the world of science, and I am not a scientist, I liked science in school, and maybe some of you did too. I really enjoyed biology especially. But in the world of science... All good scientists, Christian, non-Christian, atheist, whatever, all good scientists know that if you begin with the wrong premise, you will arrive at the wrong conclusion. And so I'm sad to say that those who adamantly insist that there is not a God are already starting with the wrong premise. And so many of the conclusions at which they arrive are also incorrect. So the Bible says, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. I like to refer to Marxism as the undead worldview. I know uh, zombie-type movies and TV shows are very popular in our culture right now. They're called the undead. But Marxism, in a way, is the undead worldview. Um, those of us who are older or who are history buffs, when we think about Marxism, communism, we think about, you know, the the world wars and we think about the 1950s and the Cold War and McCarthyism and that type of thing. But we need to understand, we need to wake up, and we need to look around us and see that many of the things that are happening, particularly in the United States, but also in other countries, are Marxist in nature. And there are very um, deliberate attempts, deliberate uh, plans behind the scenes that want these things to happen because there are people with a Marxist worldview who are trying to usher our society into this um, breaking it all down so they can build it all back into the next level of society, that dialectical materialism that we will be talking about in just a minute. So as I name some of these things, hopefully you'll nod your head and go, yes, of course, I've been hearing about this in the news. And and let me say, I am not um, trying through this series or through this particular lesson on Marxism to be um, political about one party or the other party, but there are things happening in our country that are part of a bigger plan than just a Democrat or Republican or um, politics. This is so much bigger than politics, and I hope you'll see that by the end of the session. So here are some things happening in our country right now that are absolutely rooted in the worldview of Marxism. 
the social protests, and I'm not talking about freedom of speech. I'm a firm believer in that. But the social protests that are happening, some of them are not following the guidelines that our country normally follows for things like that. We'll come back to that. Um, Promises of everything free, free health care, free college, open borders. Now, regardless of who's in office and regardless of the politics that go with that, open borders are a means to an end because Marxists are very much against nationalities. They want to tear it all down and have a one world government. So open borders work for them. Um, Class warfare, demonizing the wealthy, no religion in the public square, censorship of conservative ideas. All of these things are rooted in the worldview of Marxism. So there was a really interesting quote in the book that we're using for this study. Of course, we're using God's Word, the book, the most important book. But in the the textbook that I'm using, which, by the way, is a, a homeschool curriculum textbook that I um, came across uh, one year when I taught in a Christian school. The seniors studied this book. It's called Understanding the Times. It's by Dr. Jeff Meyer and Dr. David Nobles. But there's a quote in there that says, Marxism is secularism weaponized. Secularism has completely infiltrated our education system um, at the highest levels and the lowest levels. Marxism is much more violent. It is secularism weaponized. There are very similar views on a lot of things, but Marxism is much more um, about social disruption and social change and tearing down society to build it up again in a new way. So here are some of the beliefs that go with a Marxist worldview. So first of all, we have atheism, an adamant belief that there is no God. We've talked about that one. The next one is dialectical materialism. I mentioned it a moment ago. Yes, they believe in evolution of the human being, the individual that we all evolved from a lower form of animal and that we're all just a higher form of animal. But dialectical materialism is a belief in the evolution of society. Dialectical materialism is a fancy term for um, the cyclical view of society as it rolls forward the idea of tearing down the institutions, tearing down society, tearing down the old guard, and then rebuilding everything in a new way. And with the ultimate goal and the ultimate intent of arriving at a perfect communist state eventually. And they will do anything to get there, even if it's not in their lifetime. So dialectical materialism is one of the linchpins of this worldview. It is one of the most important driving forces behind the people that believe this worldview or behind their worldview. The next one is the abolition of private property. The idea that you shouldn't own a lot of stuff, that you should not own anything and let the government take care of you. Um, Along with that, they promote the public ownership of the means of production. In other words, eventually that the government would own all the companies and all the factories and let them do everything and we just receive from them our little portion. Um, They promote the utopian dream of a future communistic state. 
Marxism wants to capture every academic discipline and put it to work fomenting revolution. That's a quote from the textbook also. I'm going to say that again. Marxism wants to capture every academic discipline and put it to work fomenting revolution. So as I said, and we looked at this last week somewhat, the secularist worldview has infiltrated the universities, the high schools, elementary schools. Yes, there are Christian teachers. I am one of those. I am a public school educator, but I consider myself a missionary to the public schools in many ways because I haven't drunk the Kool-Aid of secularism. Um, Marxism has also infiltrated the curricula, and it really just depends on the teacher and where they were educated and how they present material in their classroom. But you can be sure that Marxist ideals are alive and well in our universities as well as our um, K-12 system. So let's look at some terminology. Marxism, communism, and socialism are all tied together. And we need to understand the differences among them, but they are certainly all to, tied together as far as um, this worldview. So Marxism itself is the worldview. It's much bigger than the other two. It's an atheistic and materialistic worldview based on the ideas of Karl Marx that uh, promote the things that I just talked about, the abolition of private property, the public ownership of production, um, a utopian dream of a future communistic state. It's the big philosophical worldview behind the other two terms. So communism is more of a political term. It's a government system. It's the Marxist ideal of a classless, stateless, governmentless utopian society in which all property is commonly owned and each person is paid according to his or her abilities or needs. So Marxism, Marxism is the worldview. Communism is the government system. Socialism is the economic part of that. It's the economic system that goes with the other two. And it's a system based on governmental or communal ownership of the means of production and distributions of goods and services. And folks, I'm, and again, I'm not trying to be particularly political today. It's just that this worldview is all about tearing down society, particularly American society. So the promises of free things, free college, free health care, that's socialism. And it sounds really good. And it sounds great to the young people who are struggling financially in our current economic situation. All of that free stuff sounds good, but somebody's got to pay for it. And when we take a step back from the politics of it and we look at the fact that this is a worldview that is intent on tearing down everything that our society is here and abroad, but here particularly, and building it back up into this new perfect communist state, you can kind of take a step back from the politics and go, wow, this is so much bigger than politics and this is happening in our country. All right. So when you think about the abolition of private property and, you know, the politics and the economics behind that, that's one thing. But we also need to understand that Marxists also want to abolish the family and they want to abolish marriage and they want to abolish nations and nationalism. And these things are happening also in our country. And again, to take a step back from just the politics and the, the two sides of the aisle or whatever, 
we need to to take a look at this with spiritual eyes and go wow the breakdown of the family furthers their cause so of course they're going to put it in your face of you know homosexual marriage and and a breakdown of marriage entirely like why do we even need to be married i mean there's very little shame in our culture anymore and so uh, you look at at media and movies and and you know people live together and have children and and you know same-sex marriages and all of that and it's all presented as very normal it has been normalized and so there's actually a guy in i believe he's canadian and he's not a believer he's not a christian but he has been advertising heavily on facebook if you have facebook at least he's he shows up on mine when i check facebook I'm trying to remember his name. It slips my mind at the moment. But he is promoting these seminars, convincing the younger generation on the value of getting married. Because really, why why would you? If nobody's really nobody really cares and there are really no morals or values if you're not a Christian, you why would you even bother? What's the point? You know, if you can live together and have kids together and, and do what you do, then what would be the point of an actual marriage contract that's legal in the eyes of the law or whatever? And so he's been conducting these seminars. I don't know if they're online or in person or both. And I know he's written some books, but apparently enough studies have been done now that the breakdown of the family and the lack of marriage in our culture um is actually hurting our society as a whole and he promotes you know tells us all the reasons why we already knew that because god's word tells us that but to take a step back this furthers the marxist cause because they don't want families and they don't want marriage they want everybody to serve the state serve the government and everything in common and don't own anything and don't want more than you should etc you've got a lack of nationalism and and y'all i see this as a high school teacher depends on who the history teachers are and i don't mean to offend anyone who's listening who's a history teacher and a christian but i have been in schools public schools where i have seen that um, depending on who the teacher is there is more of a focus on being a global citizen now than there is on being an American citizen. And the students in history classes, and, and this was at a school where I taught, they, um, they had not had anything about American history since the eighth grade. So they got it in middle school. And then they came to high school, and the first time they actually get American history again, when they're really old enough to start processing deeper ideas, is 11th grade. Now think about how old you are in the 11th grade. You're about to turn a senior, you're about to turn 18, and you're about to get out of high school and then vote, or possibly vote while you're still in high school. And so the 11th graders at this school, where I had worked previously, um, they started the year with the Civil War, and they ended the year with Vietnam. And all year long, they learned about how bad the Americans were and all the bad things we did and all the people that we hurt. That's all they heard all year, all year, all year. Then they turn 18 and vote. What do you think they're going to vote for? Um, so this anti-nationalism, this open borders, this be a global citizen, not an American citizen. Um, and again, God is not American. God, <laughs> Jesus was Jewish um, and from the Middle East. But there are values in our culture 
that still exists that are Christian values. And so we look at the destruction of the family and the tearing down of the value of marriage and the tearing down of the value of belonging to a free democratic country where you can worship God freely. You can also worship other gods freely, but at least you can worship the God of the Bible freely. And Marxists don't want any of that. They don't want any of that. And they want to abolish religion. So this is so much bigger than politics, and we have to understand that. So let's take a step back and look at um, general revelation versus special revelation. We've done that with each worldview. General revelation is what the average person can just see with his or her own eyes, basic things that most people know. And then special revelation or sources of authority would be any kind of a holy book or any people who have been considered kind of the masterminds or the gurus or the the go-to people in that particular worldview. In Marxism, some of the general revelation would fall under the umbrella of science in general, but particularly Charles Darwin's Origin of the Species, which was published in 1859. The belief in evolution, particularly survival of the fittest, as it applies to human progress, need to add that because that was not particularly part of secular humanism, but it is absolutely part of the Marxist worldview. The survival of the fittest as it applies to human progress. And then the belief in spontaneous generation that life came from non-life. And so one of the special sources of authority for Marxism, you guessed it, Karl Marx. He lived from 1818 to 1883. Um, You can do your own research on this. He was a very unpleasant person. Um, His ideas came out of a very uh, interesting life. So you can read about his life. I wish I had time to do that in this very brief um, lesson on Marxism. But um, I encourage you to look up who he was and that his ideas would be this influential so many years later is um, surprising to me. There's a book called Toward a Soviet America by William Z. Foster. He was one of the earliest board members of the ACLU. He published a book in 1932, Toward Soviet America. And these are the things. This is the strategy of Marxism as set forth in his book in the 1930s. Listen to these things that he published. First, this is his strategy of introducing Marxism to the United States. First, form a national, state, and local department of education. Have we done that? Check. Second, studies should be cleansed of religious, patriotic, and other bourgeois ideology. Yes, that has happened. Check. The next one, students will be taught on the basis of Marxian dialectical materialism. As I explained earlier, that idea that society is also evolving. Um, dialectical materialism, internationalism, and the general ethics of the new socialist society. Yes, all of those things have happened. Check. And last, science will become materialistic, meaning about this material world only. Hence, truly scientific, God will be banished from the laboratories as well as from the schools. All of those things have happened. And that was written in 1932 before those things had completely happened. So what we need to understand with the Marxist worldview, with all worldviews, 
is that ideas have consequences. In the last century, the Marxist worldview is responsible for the deaths of twice the number of people of World War I and World War II combined. Over 100 million people have been affected by the Marxist worldview. That's a lot of people. This worldview does not pass the truth test. If you've listened to the other sessions, I've reviewed the truth test each time. But one part of the truth test is if I take this idea and I apply it in a real-world context, is the outcome good or is it bad? Well, the outcome has consistently been not just bad, but disastrous. And yet there are people in our country in positions of power promoting this worldview and making it sound like the best thing ever. And we have to look at the consequences this worldview does not pass the truth test. So when we ask the big questions, why are we here? What is the meaning of life? What is the purpose of life? Is there a difference between right and wrong? Is there a God? What does this worldview say about humanity? What does this worldview say is wrong with us? What does this worldview say about how we should live? Let's hear the answers from the Marxist point of view. Why are we here? A Marxist would say, we have no purpose. We are here by random chance. And that's actually a direct quote from Engel. Um, who is one of the Marxists, one of the movers and shakers in the Marxist worldview. Um, what is the meaning and purpose of life? The struggle for economic evolution is the purpose of life. Is there, any, is there a difference between right and wrong? Is there any right and wrong? Is there anything that's moral? And a Marxist would say anything that advances Marxism is right by whatever means necessary. Anyone or anything that delays or hinders this progress is bad and can be disposed of without remorse. Oh, that is heavy. And when you think of certain things that have happened in our nation, even in the last 10 years, this is a scary idea. I mean, we shouldn't be scared. We're believers and we know who's ultimately in control and we know the end of the book. But meanwhile, this is a very disturbing uh, response to the idea of what is right and what is wrong. Um, you ask a Marxist, is there a God? No. What does Marxism say about humanity? We're just biology. We're just animals. What does Marxism say is wrong with us? Nothing except our economics. And what does it say about how we should live? Overthrow the rich and the private owners for the good of the cause. So we know that Marxism is still influential today. And again, I'm, I hesitate to say anything political because that's not the purpose of this study. But I did stumble upon this article that was just appalling. Um, it was from the Yale News online um, last year, 2022. And the article is entitled Abortion to Address Climate Change. The point or the premise of the article is that abortion is great because it reduces the human population and thereby helps the environment because there are too many people on planet Earth. Wow. <laughs> 
There are so many other things we could talk about. I've mentioned them in passing the Occupy Wall Street movement that started in September of 2011. You know, the the offers of free everything and the on the Democratic side, there are particular political um, candidates and political people in office and different offices that call themselves Democratic Socialists. You really should look that up. Democratic Socialism is really Marxism. So I would look that up. Um, And again, uh, earlier I had mentioned that about 20% of the world's population lives in a communist country currently. Here's a list of some of those countries. China, Laos, Vietnam, North Korea, and Cuba are all communist countries. And of course, China's population is a huge, huge part of our world's population of 8 billion. So um, even though I would say everyone in that country is probably not in love with the idea of communism, they live in countries where they're affected by this worldview. There is a really interesting interview, if you can find it online, since this is a, a podcast and I can't show you all the things I showed the ladies in the Sunday school class. Dave Ramsey, who's a Christian financial planner, has um, some interesting comments on the differences between capitalism and socialism that he gave in an interview. Someone asked him about this. Uh, I had that link that um, I had available in Sunday school the morning that we talked about this, but I hope you'll look some of those things up. Um, So let's contrast Christianity with Marxism. Um, They're atheists. We believe there is a God who is the creator and the redeemer of man. Hallelujah. They believe in evolution. They believe in dialectical materialism, but a Christian would say, no, society is not evolving, it is devolving. Humankind is also. The struggles in society, this is from a Christian perspective, our struggles are a result of our sin nature. Man is a three-part being. There is a spiritual realm in life after death. This is not all there is. And frankly, that whole rich versus poor and tear down the rich and all of that, that's That's not a godly idea. First of all, there are plenty of scriptures, and I'll talk about this more in a moment, where God says that we have the right to enjoy the fruits of our labors. And he says, Jesus said, the poor you will always have with you. But here's the problem. That ultimate communistic state where everyone has the same and everyone is economically equal, that's never going to happen because mankind is sinful. There's always going to be somebody who wants more than others. There's always going to be somebody who wants power over other people. There's always going to be someone who's greedy. If you're mad that rich people have a lot of money or you're mad that, you know, the top 1% blah, 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 which is, you know, I think sometimes blown out of proportion. But if you're angry about that, stop and examine your heart and think, okay, am I just jealous? Because jealousy is a sin and covetousness is, is addressed in scripture. And that's really what that's all about, because we're never going to be economically equal. However, We are all equal in God's sight, and we are all equal at the foot of the cross. And no matter who we are, no matter where we're from, how much we have or how little we have or what color our skin is, we all need a Savior, and Jesus died to save us. So, from a Christian perspective, Marxism fails and will always fail because it assumes that man is neutral. Or even that man is good, even though there's not really a right or wrong if you're just an animal. 
But it assumes that after achieving power, those in command will voluntarily give it up when society evolves that far. People are not motivated to work when there is no personal reward. And the Bible teaches that people have the right to retain and enjoy the fruits of their labors. That's um, 2 Timothy 2.6, and there's a lot of stuff in Ecclesiastes about that. But we're obligated to help the poor. James 1.27, we're obligated to give back to God as good stewards. There are a number of scriptures, um, but again, 2 Timothy 2.6, James 1.27, pretty much the whole book of Proverbs and some in Ecclesiastes, and then Matthew 26.11, where uh, Jesus says, the poor you will always have with you. And it's, he's, not, he's not belittling the poor. He, he teaches that we should help them always. But to say that we need to evolve to a society where there is no such thing as poor is um, unbiblical and it's unrealistic because we're sinful human beings. So before we move on from that, I do want to say that capitalism can also be corrupt for exactly the same reason. Yes, there are people in corporate America who abuse their wealth and abuse their power. That's because we're sinful. Um, so it's important for us to recognize that many of the problems we have in society are because mankind is sinful. So one more thing before we go. Sometimes when the conversation about Marxism or communism comes up, there are people who believe that the Bible teaches Christian communism or Christian Marxism. They get this idea, and this is not a large group of, of Christians, but there is a, a group of Christians out there. They get this idea from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 41 through 46, and Acts chapter 4, verses 32 through 35. Um, the answer to that uh, the issue that could be brought up in a conversation is that this situation in the book of Acts was exactly the opposite of a Marxist situation. This is when the Roman government, of course, this is after Jesus died and rose again and the church was starting to grow in the book of Acts. And the Roman government was heavily persecuting Christians. They were being thrown in jail. They were having their property confiscated. They were being killed for their faith. And so Christians were selling property and selling things that they had and they were sharing in common among themselves. They were taking care of each other because the government was oppressing them. So actually that's the opposite situation of a Marxist situation in which the government would take care of everything and people just wait for to receive from the government their portion. So if that ever comes up, which it may not, but I thought I'd address it anyway. Um, it was just for that time because Christians were in a very difficult situation of persecution and they were just taking care of each other. That was not a model to be perpetuated uh, into different time periods. So what's the good news out of all of this? The good news is, first of all, if you haven't been looking around at the signs of the times and reading the scriptures, Jesus is coming soon. Thank goodness. <laughs> Jesus is coming soon. I believe it with every fiber of my being. And the other thing is this. We have the truth. We must share it. The Holy Spirit will help us. We have God's word. We have lots of resources. And I just want to encourage you, the whole purpose of this study is to make you aware, to help you to see these different major worldviews and to see how they're impacting people and to see 
how people who believe that worldview think so that you can share your faith with them. Because ultimately, don't we just want to share Christ and see people saved and have people come to a knowledge of him and know that they're going to heaven someday? We want to take as many souls with us as we can. So here are some scriptures. Matthew 10, 19 through 23. Luke 12, 11 and 12. Mark 3, uh, 13, 11, and 1 Peter 3, 15, which encourages you to always be ready to give an answer to those who ask. So until next time, where we'll look at one final atheistic worldview, which is quite different than anything we've talked about so far, and that's postmodernism. I pray that you will continue to search the scriptures for yourself. Don't take my word for anything. Research everything I say. Um, I just want to encourage you to be bold, to share your faith, and to be a blessing to others. So until next time, God bless you.